Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the time we can gather together, bask in your love, bask in your kindness, and bask in your strength. You are a good God. And we just ask you to take the word this morning and just drill it deep into our hearts. And I ask this in Jesus' precious name. Genesis chapter 18, verses 1 and 2. Okay, who would like to read it out loud? Okay, I think I saw Belinda. What do you have for a version? Okay. No, that's fine. Uh, do we have a different version? Thank you. How often do you see three men coming near your house and you're going to run to them and bow down before them? Now, granted, I realize this is okay. They were living in tents back then as opposed to today, but a tax assessor, yes. <laughs> and all three of them, right? There's something special about these three men, they're not normal. There's something that's bringing them out, okay, to highlight the fact that there's something special there. Um, let me read it out of, well, actually it's the same version. Now the Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre. Depending on the version you're reading, the Lord, okay, and this is, I found this is in the interlinear version of the Bible. We're talking about Elohim. Okay, it's not just any old person it's God himself okay and a little later we'll find out it's God with two angels so let's continue um, yes I skipped half of my notes already many people I've spoken to over the years do not like the God of the Old Testament they say he's cruel. He's a tough taskmaster. And for that reason, he's not someone they like. But they really like the God of the New Covenant because he's love and kind. Well, let me suggest to you is because we're not reading the Old Testament very well. We'll look at it today in terms of what we have for a story. We're familiar with the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. This is what it's about. 
The story begins with the Lord visiting Abraham near the trees of Mamre. What's the trees of Mamre? Let me turn for you to uh, chapter 14 where the story actually has a beginning. Fourteen. I'm getting a little pop out of this thing. Okay, verses. I'll start at 11. Okay, the key is in 13, but I'll start at 11. Um, there were some kings that came down and came and did battle with the folks that were in Sodom and Gomorrah because those folks had decided not to pay tribute. They were tired of it. And besides, these kings were five, 600 miles away. Well, how could to do? Well, in verse 11, it says, Then they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their food supply and departed. They also took Lot, Abraham's nephew, and his possessions and departed, for he was living in Sodom. So they didn't only take the food and all their goods, they took all the people. Okay? Bring them into slavery. Then a fugitive came and told Abraham, the Hebrew. Now he was living by the oaks of Mamre. There's that word again. The oaks of Mamre, the Amorite. So Mamre is a place, but it's also the name of a person. So this is his property, and apparently there's some beautiful trees there that everybody noticed and spent time, especially in the summertime, resting under its shadow. But let's continue a little bit. Okay. Now he was living by the oaks of Mamre, the Amorite, brother of Eshkol and brother of Aner, and these were allies with Abraham. So now we know who Mamre is. We know where he is. He's sitting on the border of his property, enjoying his trees. And between, if we continue the story, between Abraham's people and his allies, the three brothers, they went off and got Lot and brought him back. We know the rest of the story with Michal, Mich Melchizedek, good French word, okay, and what occurred. So now we've got a little bit of background. Skip a few years and we're back to chapter 18. The Lord shows up. The Lord shows up. The scene is Abraham's resting under the Mamre's trees. And let's pick it up again at, uh, well, I'm going to start at verse 1 and read down. The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of day. So we know it's not in January. Okay? It's hot. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from, his, from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low before them. Wait a minute, really hot. But he got up in a hurry and ran over to them because he knows these are not your normal run-of-the-mill individuals that are coming by. 
He said, if I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought, and then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat so that you may be refreshed, and then go on your way. Now that you have come to your servant. So he's offering them hospitality. Okay? Hospitality is an interesting word because for me it comes immediately in the New Testament where it says, some of you have entertained angels without knowing it. Okay? So be looking forward to hospitality. You never know who God's going to bring to you. Okay? And it may be himself, so you don't know. The answer in, uh, it says, very well, the answer, do as you say. Abraham went out, picked a choice calf, and the preparation of the meal began. Notice it takes time to make preparation, because we're talking about a calf that you're about to slaughter and prepare as meat for them to, to eat. So we're talking about time, okay? So it's not just a short visit, they're in and they're gone and whew, I'm glad uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken was nearby, you know? <laughs> Didn't work that way. Let's pick up the account in verse 16. So chapter 18, verse 16. They've just had their feast, they've just eaten together and now, then the, the men rose up from there and looked down towards Sodom, and Abraham was walking with them to send them off. So you can picture it. You got some company. You're going to leave your tent, your house, and you're going to go out to the curb, to the car, okay, and see them off. That's what Abraham's doing. It's the same as what we do today. We have a few... Things are a little bit different, but in actuality, it's all the same. All right, where was I? Verse 16. The Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do? What? Shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do? That's a really odd statement. Whenever you hear that kind of thing, what comes to your mind? Well, I'm going to tell that to another individual that, should I tell him what I'm about to do? First thought that comes to mind is, uh-oh, am I being fired? You got my full attention. Right? It's not a normal piece of a conversation. We'll get back to that in a minute, because that's a key. Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do, since Abraham will surely become a great and mighty nation, and in him all the nations of the earth will be blessed? For I have chosen him so that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice so that the Lord may bring up Abraham, uh, bring upon Abraham what he has spoken about him. He's reiterating the promise that he gave him in Genesis chapter 12. If you go where I show you, 
I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless those that bless you, and I'll curse those that curse you. He's reiterating the same promise. Let's continue. Um, verse 20, and the Lord said, the outcry of Sodom and Gomorrah is indeed great, and their sin is exceedingly grave. I will go down now and see if they have done entirely according to this outcry, its outcry, which has come to me. And if not, I will know. So God's going over to check to see if the outcry from the area of Sodom and Gomorrah, because we know the rocks cry out, right? We just saying it this morning. Okay. Well, the Lord's going to go check to see if the sin has risen to a point of um, not being able to continue in the area. Total corruption. Okay? So we're getting to the scene. Verse 22. Then the men turned away from there and went towards Sodom while Abraham was still standing before the Lord. Abraham came near and said, will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Get back to that in a minute. Shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do? God wants to get Abraham's attention. He wants Abraham to do something. What does he want Abraham to do? What does he want him to do? Sean? He wants him to petition God for the folks in Sodom and Gomorrah. Wait a minute, I thought that was just a New Testament thing. They didn't do that in the Old Testament. This is the first place I'm aware of where the Lord comes around and says, I'm going to place a burden on your heart so you can pray for an individual. It's what he does today. We have it very graphically here. Now your prayers may not sound like Abraham's, okay? But he's petitioning for those folks. Now, Abraham knows these people. He knows they're corrupt. He went out with his allies to bring them back with his nephew Lot. So it's not like it's someone totally unknown. Okay? And if you look a little further into the story, the king of Sodom says, you can keep all our goods, I just want the people. Okay? He knows them well. And yet the Lord comes to him and said, I want you to know what I'm about to do. And the underlying message is, because I want you to petition for them. Okay? So let's read what the petition is. Verse 23. 
Abraham came near, uh, yep, Abraham came near and said, will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there are 50 righteous within the city, will you indeed sweep it away? And not spare the, pla uh, the place for the sake of 50 righteous who are in it? Elohim's response is, far be it, uh, excuse me, his response is a little bit later, far be it from you to do such a thing, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous and the wicked are treated alike. Far be it from you, <coughs> shall not the judge of all the earth deal justly? Our expectation is that we are serving a just, righteous, and merciful God. Abraham knew the same thing. Abraham knew the same thing. Let's continue. Verse 26, so the Lord said, if I find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city, then I shall spare the whole place on their account. Lord's answering his prayer. And Abraham replied, now behold, I have ventured to speak to the Lord, Elohim, although I am but dust and ashes, suppose the 50 righteous are lacking five. Will you destroy the whole city because of five? And he said, Elohim said, I will not. Oops, I've got to make sure I got the, I have New American Standard and the message next to each other, so I've got to make sure I don't mix them together. Um, and he said, I will not destroy it if I find 45 there. He spoke to him yet again, this is Abraham, and said, suppose 40 are found there. And he said, Elohim said, I will not do it on account of 40. And Abraham said, Oh, may the Lord not be angry, and I shall speak. Suppose 30 are found there. And he said, I will not do it if I find 30. What's Abraham doing? He's petitioning. And he's petitioning on a basis of knowing who they are. Okay? And he said, Abraham said, now behold, I have ventured to speak to the Lord, suppose 20 are found there. And he said, I will not destroy it. That's Elohim. Said, I will not destroy it on account of 20. Then he said, oh, may the Lord not be angry, and I shall speak only this once. Suppose 10. He knows. He knows. And suppose 10 are found there, and he said, I will not, Elohim says, I will not destroy it on account of 10. As soon as he had finished speaking to Abraham, the Lord departed, and Abraham returned to his place. Now I'm going to read verse 19, chapter 1, just to make a point. Now the two angels, wait a minute, wasn't there three? Wasn't there three? The Lord had already done what he came to do. He came to speak to Abraham to ask him to petition. 
okay, for the sake of the folks in Sodom and Gomorrah. And I am so far off my notes, this is crazy. <laughs> oh. It's because I got to make sure I enter my other buddy here. We've got another passage that's a little bit similar, okay, again in the Old Testament. We've seen this a few times. Actually, we've done a dance about it here. And we have, um, it's when Ezekiel 37, 1 to 7 passage, the Lord asks Ezekiel, can these dry bones live? Can, uh, that's another weird one. You know, it's like, what? Mm -hmm. It gets your attention. That's the purpose for it. Can these dry bones live? What is the Lord after? He's looking for Ezekiel to do something. What's he looking for Ezekiel to do? Prophesy. See, the Lord comes down and he partners with us to do what comes about on the earth. Just like he did with Abraham, he's doing with Ezekiel, and I can name several other places. This morning, the one that came to my mind very vividly was Noah. Oh, come on. God, there's no such thing as a flood. You're not powerful enough for that. What do I have to build a boat for? I'm always reminded of the comedian. Noah, who's there? I want you to build a boat X number of cubits. What's a cubit? <laughs> yes, what's a boat? God comes down, has come down in the past many times. And I just uh, listed two, but he comes down to speak to us because he wants us to do something. Not that he can't do it by himself, but he has us involved in his creation. Okay? So we have the Lord coming down to speak to Abraham to intercede. We talked a little bit about um, Ezekiel, the Lord speaking to him so that he can prophesy. What goes on today? What goes on today? The Lord speak to you? The Lord speak to you? What's he asking you to do? Is he asking you to pray for some group? Is he asking you to prophesy over something? Is he asking you to go somewhere? And I don't mean your job. What's the Lord asking you to do today? Whenever the Lord speaks to us directly or through others, he is asking us to participate with him in what he's doing on the earth today. You're being his partner. Now, last time I was here and spoke, I talked about the fact that 
the first generation that was in the desert, okay, when they came out of Egypt, they didn't believe God, and they didn't go in and take the land. So what did God do? He prepared the next generation. They got it done anyway. Same thing will happen to us if we don't do what the Lord asks us. He'll prepare our children and they'll go do it. Okay? God's plan isn't going to be frustrated. It will be accomplished. Now, I started off with people don't like the God of the Old Testament, but they like the God of the New Testament. Well, God was working through these people then, and he's still working through us today. He's the same God. So put on the right glasses and look at your scriptures and see God's hand in it, not how people have been acting. Because if you look at how people have been acting, guess what? We're the same. Not a pretty picture. Okay? But God's hand is much more exciting. I'll end with this one thought. Okay, and this is my prayer. Let's participate with God, what he is currently doing in this earth. Okay? Just like Abraham did, just like Ezekiel did, just like Noah did, Moses. Okay? It's our choice. But my exhortation is, let's participate with the Lord in what he's doing in the earth. Open your ears, open your eyes, ask him to show you, and ask him to find out where you can join him in what he's doing. All yours.